0: Oh, yeah, please. Come and knock it. It's the State of Combat Podcast. CBS Sports, your boy, the Brian Campbell. Back with a bang, of course. But back with the box during a week I did not expect to be. UFC 249 on the horizon, of course, in the skinhead MMA world. Uh, your boy, BC, SOC, we got you covered. Interviews, big-time interviews, previews, Rashad Evans stopping by. All that good stuff. But the box has been quiet until now. In fact, the box is... And I'm not talking about Richard Dwyer's U-Haul moving boxes. Although, shout out to Dwyer. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, The boxing world is filled with so much ridiculousness at the moment that BC had to call up Rafe Boogs and make this pod happen for the people. We also have a very interesting interview today. Yes! The great voice of pro wrestling then, now, and forever. Good old JR, Jim Ross stopping by. He's got a fantastic new book. Uh, he's going to chat a lot about drinking with Ric Flair, the wrestling business where it's going, all that good stuff. I know, I know you people get down with that, but, um, let me bring in this guy because wow, I got so much to talk about. Uh, who, who's the guy again? Oh, who
1: this, who this person you're, you're interviewing? I'm sorry?
2: Rafe. I'm Rafe.
0: Oh, I- Yeah, yeah. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Get to know him. He's the best boxing writer in the world today from TheAthletic.com. It's Rafe Boogs.
2: Let me lick you up. Let me lick you, me me you, lick you down. Turn up, baby. Let me Dana you White. It's Dana's night. Oh,
1: let oh. Me lick you girl. Like
2: it is Dana's night. Always.
0: Boom, boom, boom. It's Dana's night. And I feel it's, all right. No, no, no. This it's, is Dana's Dana's night, okay? night. It's, it's Dana's night. All
1: it's right Dana's night. Oh, what a night. I've had a great run, right? If the coronavirus is what's going to get me, let's do it. Bring <laughs> it. I'm ready,
0: Corona. Oh, God. Good God on that. Uh, Rafe Books, thank you for joining me on such short notice. But this show, the SOC, this this gross soup of, of hood sport ridiculi is not against making headlines once in a while. So I had to get you in here to to take the giant spoon, to stick it in. I want to stir the
2: primordial ooze, baby.
0: And to get that and break it down, um, wow, do we have a lot of junk to get into. And it turned out that in this fight at least, we brought you junk a lot of junks uh before we do that though rafa how you been bro you good you holding up i always have to check in on detroit don't drink the water in flint how you doing bro
2: man uh, you know it, it's just not not appropriate man. that is not appropriate but i'm doing all right hanging in there uh i don't know it all it all starts to blend together not necessarily in a good way but i am grateful to 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 be here and in decent health
0: would you say things are thick and or heavy
1: it was that thick. It was that intense. You're feeling it. It was that heavy. All
0: right. Yeah.
2: Great. Yeah, it okay. was. It was. It it did exist. It just like did. just like Teddy said, it did.
0: It did exist. OK, uh, let's not bury the lead any longer. We're going to get right into it right now. Rafe, what has become the biggest topic in boxing, in and, sports, in MMA, in culture, in, in sports? Um, we had Oscar De La Jolla on the show last week. And, Rafe, we recorded that in the Back to the Future Part 2 style where we went forwards to we go backwards. We
2: analyzed the tip. We broke down the tip. We sniffed the tip. We touched tips. And then you actually interviewed the tip. <laughs>
0: Wow. All right, then. Uh don't know where to go after that. You know what I'm saying?
1: Just look at the stiffness. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. And the frequency. Okay,
0: it's not about the size, Rafe, okay? It's about, yeah. Anyway, um, and Rafe, this all started with you and I. In fact, I recalled the story of you and I talking about it on the great Michael Woods on RingTV.com as a story about how this idea hatched. The oral history. The oral history, right? Uh, You know, for years I've been trying to get my promotional company, hashtag old guy fights, off the ground, right? I've been trying. You might have
2: to change it to uh, Campeon Productions. Campeon
0: Productions has been trying to get the contender Washed Welters series where everybody lives in the same house, real world style, and it's suddenly Birdo versus Broner every day of the week. Uh, But Rafa. It started with me saying, you know what? I think at 47, Oscar could be competitive against Conor. I think McGregor at 31 would end up beating him. But what surprised me was that you were like, no, 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 That is a no-no. Oscar would wash him. You were like, he's wash gonna-. him. And then we asked Oscar. I asked Oscar that same thing. All right. Give us this mythical match Monday here idea to close. Let's say you right now, age 47. Let's say I gave you... You know, three months. You against Conor McGregor, ten round boxing match, regular rules. What does that fight look like right now? Two rounds. Wow, that's that's two rounds left hook, Oscar with the with the hand raise.
1: Oh, come on, brother! Two rounds. <laughs> still hey, he still got it because because one thing about me, one thing about me, I went for the kill always, and and. Look, Conor McGregor is uh, I love him in the octagon He's. I, I, I respect him I I I will. I watch him all the time But The boxing ring is a whole different story It's a whole different story Rafe, he goes for the
0: kill all the time
2: I know, I was going to say I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing That and reading about that Happening in the ring Now rather than in lawsuits Which is kind of been the, the theme of recent years I want have beautiful guys. Um,
0: but except for against Trinidad, he didn't really go for the kill. But outside of that, look, that's what Oscar does. By the way, him say, wording it like that, it kind of sounded like like this.
1: And then I take advantage, and then when I shoot my shot, it, I shoot, you know, for the KO.
0: Wow, wow, uh, Father of the Year, Ryan Garcia. There. Um, but here's the big story. Look, I, we didn't even aggregate that or write that at. <laughs> Good, Ryan
2: Garcia make the Anthony Bonsanto number one daddy hat cool <laughs> again. Could he bring that back?
0: I would love if he got that hat. We in fact we should get Anthony Bonsante on oh, yeah. this show not Monsanto. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, he makes some good corn. And find out if that hat, that white number one daddy hat, is still in circulation because I'd pay a lot. I know Eric is Raskin that,
2: would. Is that your holy grail of boxing memorabilia?
0: Hell yeah. Unless they somehow bottled that water that they poured on Morales' balls.
1: It make you lose control.
0: It make you lose control. <laughs>
1: okay, Eric, Balls.
0: Let me, let me put some water on your bowels. Deep breath now.
1: Okay, Eric, yeah, deep breath now.
0: Let me put some water on your bowels. Ow, ow, ow. But, Rafe, here's the deal. CBS Sports, we didn't even write about it. Why? Because Oscar's always talking-ish, right? He'll be like... One minute, Canelo is going to fight Connor. It'd be great. The next minute, he's writing a letter to boxing writers saying, do not cover Maymac, right? Like, the guy's a, the guy, I love the and, guy. And you know, he's I
2: love promoting the guy. Tito Ortiz and, uh, and, yes. uh, what's his name? And Chuck uh, Liddell, Liddell, who
0: we called Chuck Liddell the whole time. And by the way, he said on this pod that was a quote, massive success, even though it sold what? Like, four thousand like
2: ten thousand yeah, even beans. though it appeared to well, that was at the forum right and yes. it seemed to draw the same crowd as uh as shane mosley ricardo Mayorga, three yes yes
0: uh there, there was more people in the back room when magic had eight women there than uh, there was at that fight you know by the way that's my favorite part about stepping into the forum for fights it's just like putting my hands on the walls and going like what did magic do here
2: Right? Um yeah, I I don't know if I understand that Magic was the face of the Showtime Lakers, but when you when you describe that kind of stuff, also knowing you know that, that magic has been HIV positive for thirty plus years, I don't know that you really want to go searching out his fluids. No. But, you know, oh do you, man?
0: God, why now? I have to edit this part out too. Stop it! I don't want to talk about that. All right. Look, this... you
2: want to allude to these things? Like I can't put two and two together. Like our listeners don't know the kind of dirt that you're discussing. But well, it, we gotta we gotta we gotta lay it out. For it them. is
0: all about allude, right? Jesus, it don't stinge on the line, does it? No, he doesn't. All right, so here's where this became a real story. Some people did aggregate Oscar saying two rounds, I knock him out. But then Thursday afternoon, randomly, Conor McGregor with millions of millions of followers on Twitter is like, Hey, Oscar De La Hoya, I accept your challenge. And this became a thing. Now, look, it's a gross thing. Like, I'm not trying to act like this is, you know, it's gross, but I love it It's that it's gross. You got TMZ, you got ESPN. You got uh, a great website, BoxingScene.com, by the way. Plenty of journalists on there. Um, you got everybody. Fox Business Insider. I mean, this became a thing, Rafe. Um, I'm going to celebrate it because it's SOC
2: branded. I'd say thank you, Connor. Thank, thank you, Oscar. Thank you, you guys, uh, you, yo, I want to thank the great Oscar De La Hearns. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. At least somebody.
0: I mean, it smells so good right now. It is a beautiful aroma that Arouses me, but um, and I like it because here's the actual deal on it. If this actually became a thing, Rafe, the reason why it's great is because you don't know who's gonna win this. You really don't. You this might actually this is better than Connor versus Pauly. This would be an act like, you know, of course anyone like Oscar, right, who was kind of forced to retire because he kind of hit that wall and wasn't good enough anymore whose tease comebacks, and obviously Oscar's had a ton of issues in his personal life outside of it, but he never did the shameless comeback. And I guess I'm pushing him into the shameless comeback. But if you're going to do the shameless comeback, Rafe, you kind of want to do it for giant money, A, for giant exposure, B, and C, a fight you can actually win.
2: Yeah. Uh, look, and and I think that uh, while while you're right, there is just this, black box quality to this because you really have no clue what this is going to what might look like if it could possibly happen. Uh, but I, look, I already I'm already on the record early. I think unless I just think Oscar would beat his ass. He can't box.
0: You uh, uh, well, can box a little bit. He's 31. He's in prime, prime shape, dude. Oscar's going to going to. I mean, I'm not talking about with the with the with the fish nets on. Me, me on the D, but here's what Oscar's gonna do. To shoot his load. Oscar's gonna shoot his own load, okay? Like you tell me a forty seven he could get into ten round shape. No, no.
2: Look, he said two rounds. What if what if Oscar decides to train for three or three round fight and he don't care? He's shoot, he's he's throwing that load. Well, we
0: do know a few things about Oscar, right? Right, Wash Gill?
1: I love washing. Yeah,
0: I love watching Hoya. Love- oh, Hoya was a freak. Yeah. Delahoya. Oh, wow oh, I oh. love them Aussies. But we got a lot of Aussie fans. I love me some Aussie fans. Yes, stay down under. Get it. Reach around. Down. Reach around. Reach down there. Under. Okay. Thank you. Um, he could actually win that fight, Rafe, right now. Okay. Now I'm not saying it's gonna happen. Dana White. But here's the here's the deal. Here's the Dana White element that gives me a glimmer of hope. Dana hates Oscar so friggin' much that I could actually see him Zufa boxing, co-promoting this just to be like, all right, Oscar, you want it? You're going to get it, bro.
2: You're right. I could say the the, the the spite, the grudge match, the hope of seeing one of his rivals get the crap kicked out of him by a, a younger fighter fighting under, you know, the, one of the biggest star of the UFC Dana's brand, it's gotta be tempting to him. Even though I don't, I look, I, I, I'm 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 going I I think the uh the Mexican American is more to my liking. I,
0: I favor the uh yes, yes. Uh the he is American, so he's got a probably he's still still got a pretty nice hatchcock. The golden right?
2: boy is more more to my, to
3: my
0: liking. You're a hatchcock. <laughs> uh Ray, be honest with me. In the in the year of our Lord twenty twenty, post COVID. Well it's not gonna be post COVID, but, but hopefully we'll be at a uh a partially back to normal life by the end of this year. Let's say arenas were allowed to be filled and all that. How many pay-per-view buys does Conor McGregor versus Oscar De La Hoya do in 2020?
2: Wow, it's tough. Are we we are factoring in the the unfortunate situation that the U.S. economy is looking at, where you know there probably will be a little bit less demand or interest in in spending a hundred bucks on a on a pay-per-view event.
0: Well, that's 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 one elephant in the room. The other one is I don't got that disson shit. <laughs> Isn't Oscar uh, obligated to put that ish on uh, Dazzin or no?
2: He doesn't have to promote it on on Golden Boy. Look, it's everything is negotiable, right? I mean, Dazone is hard up for cash right now. So maybe if Oscar just, look, we'll, I'll pay you some money. Uh, they, I mean, if, if, I, if they want out, they could probably buy their way out of those contracts because zone got no, DAZN, uh, nobody got that zone ish and zone got nobody's money.
1: I thought zone was going to hit us between the eyes with some great fights. Who's Canelo gonna fight? Tom, Dick, or Harry? Well, he might fight triple. Instead, G. We'll they hit the me in later. the
2: eyes with stealing four to six months of, of a year-long subscription. Thank you, oh, Desone. Thank that. you, John Skipper, for sticking it up my ass again. Uh, whoa. wow
1: whoa. Yeah. You know, I'm tired of getting the taste on. I want the whole load. You
0: got it right there. Um how dare you talk talk poorly of Chris Mannix's uh Boxing show with Pug and uh, a cop on the uh, on the on the days in. Did you see that?
2: They were on the zone too.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I so. On um, was it jabs? I don't PBC jabs with with Jordan Hardy. I don't know what it's called, but um. <laughs>
2: The one I've watched a little bit of the one with Manix and Sergio Mora. I mean, we like their banter. They they like to they like to 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 josh around a little bit. I wouldn't I wouldn't really compare it to BC and Rafe Boog's chemistry, but it's it's up there. It's pretty nice. Um, uh, Sergio Mora actually shouted me out in one of Whoa, those, what which, did he say? which shocked me. Here we we uh, actually he, have the, the 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 audio of it. Maybe he uh he blew his wad early. Thank you, Sergio Joe Mora. He he knows me too well. Um, All right. you know, Can I mean you that's fun to watch, question? but I pay for I pay for the I want I, cause of, for the boxing, not the commentary. And I do wish that you know, speaking more seriously, I do wish that the company had done more to take care of like the, the loyal customers who they courted and said, buy the, this is a great deal for a hundred dollars a year. Spend his money because the value you're gonna get is incredible and then Time hard times hit and you know, it's like all right, I'll see you later. Thanks for that money. It's free.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is it is free. And I'm a the zone subscriber. We all are rich. Uh, because, right? I'm paying my nine dollars and ninety nine cents a month. I heard Canelo was in the fold. I said, Okay, you know, I know how Canelo operates.
3: Thank you.
0: Uh Ray, Raphael, can you at least answer the question here? The hmm. question was forget the zone, forget the economy. In twenty twenty, okay. how many buys does Connor?
2: versus oscar do that's a two million fight to me wow don't you think i mean connor i mean i i don't i think that's a two million fight the the freak show factor the the names involved connor i i think is at the point where i mean maybe this is not true in ufc terms but in, in a boxing promotion all the 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 circus aspect of it, the characters involved. Connor, I think, is not going beneath two million. He's 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 got he, he's got pop, man. And the thing is, the boxing not in the ring, but
0: he, as a star, he's got pop. And let's be really honest, his performance against Floyd, you're you can basically use it in any direction you want. You can go the look, he proved he's not a real boxer in the boxing ring. It's different. Floyd carried him, and you could believe that Oscar's going to knock him out, or you could do the hey, dude. That guy went ten rounds with Floyd Mayweather. That guy was uh, it eight. I think he went ten, bro. Okay. I don't know. It just it existed somewhere in in that in that area. Um, I, you could really you could use that though. You could use that in any direction you want. Yeah, it would sell. It would move. Now I've had people texting me, including the great Woodsy, who's like, "Bro, are you gonna get it cut? Is hashtag old guy, uh, Canelo promotions slash. Uh, Campeón Productions going to get a cut, and and I'll say no. I'm not looking for a cut. You know what I'm looking for? Hey, Oscar, could you stop putting the media in like the 35th row? Put us back at ringside. If you make Oscar versus C- C- uh McGregor, put sorry, technical difficulties there. I said put me in the front row where I belong. Yeah, I know beggars can't be choosers. Where I come from, beggars prefer to be choosers thank you all right ray final thought on this then we can get off of this and get to the other ridiculousness in the in if this became a proper fight oh look let's see if it's a proper fight uh how does it become a proper fight because you said money talk we know money talks and you brought up the important reality about uh unemployment and all that right now to zone all that right now what if Saudi got on the phone okay Saudi and Len Blavatnik you know the 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 oligarch of DAZN got together, and they just threw... I mean, they threw, like, ridiculous money. The kind of money where Dana White in Endeavor, the UFC's parent company, which Dana, on this State of Combat podcast, denied any issues with money with Endeavor as to why he's making the fights happen. But we know...
2: They they are interested. They have some cash flow situations to deal with. If we know I it did exist. Re- read correctly.
0: We know it did exist, okay? Wall Street Journal, we know it did exist. So let's say uh Uncle Lenny over there in in, in Ukraine with the DZone war chest gets on the horn with Saudi. Is that the only way this fight could happen?
2: I don't know if that's the only way. I think I mean this is the kind of fight that even with this global downturn, if it were promoted correctly and timed right, it's and the guarantees were right. I think that they could make their money traditionally without finding a you know foreign dictator sugar daddy. Although that probably could be the easiest route. I don't. We don't really know if the Saudi money will flow quite as be quite as free flowing either. Because have you have you uh, have you been have you passed a gas station recently, Brian?
0: <laughs> that's so racist of you.
2: What do you mean? It's a it's a petro state. That's not that is, that is that is a reality. the The money comes from oil, uh, and and that ain't that ain't selling for a whole lot right now. Now I think you know eventually that's gonna kick back up because people are gonna need gas for whatever whatever they do. There isn't any other great power source to talk about right now. Anyway. Don't, we sound stupid when we talk about these things. Me. Yeah. Forget that. Forget that ish. Um, it could happen that way. Look, this is this is all fantasy land, right? We're talking about this fantasy fight that has somehow become real because media is so thirsty for anything to talk about right now. Just as we're gonna talk about weird fantasy fights that probably aren't gonna happen on schedule between Javante Davis and Leo Santa Cruz. And mike tyson and shannon briggs and and richard dwyer showing
0: up on this show
2: yeah and that ain't gonna happen and that the the big dumb power lifter fighting the other big dumb power lifter and like all of this is just made up stuff and i love it because it kind of makes us seem like our jobs matter or at least can stick around for another month but it ain't real but I love this one. I want this one to be real. So let's make it real.
3: I'm a white boy and I'm jacked. Deal with it.
0: Thanks, Brock. Um okay, final 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 question on this. Would Oscar do it? He's pretty shameless. Would Oscar do it?
2: I think he would do it. The only the only way he I, he wouldn't do it in my mind is if he deep down he knew he didn't want to fight again. He didn't want to go through a camp. He didn't Uh, he, he, he basically didn't have that hunger as much as he just likes the publicity of, of having these rumors out there. That's totally possible. And I don't blame him if that's the case. Um, I think, I don't think he would do it simply thinking, all right, I know I'm not going to get in shape. I will let myself get washed by this guy who's not even a boxer. And I just want this payday. I don't know if he'll do it for that reason. I think if he does it, he gets he gets into whatever good shape means for him at this point in his life and having not fought in what a decade. Well, can,
0: you would you agree that there's been a few times in the past few years, in between some personal highs and lows, that he's gotten like like he has looked. Again?
2: Yeah, yeah, he has looked like he had he could get back into great shape pretty quickly. Uh, we don't know exactly how he's achieving that, oh, but assuming no he testing. could, we've been we've been doping
0: since the beginning. There's to be no drug testing for this, okay? They're gonna make that money, player. Thank you. All right, we're gonna take a quick pause on the other side. We got we got a few more ridiculous things to get you. Also, wrestling legend, The Voice, Jim Ross, gonna be here. gonna gonna be here. Okay, he's gonna he's coming. Jr. He's coming. All right, it's hot. Get some
2: barbecue sauce.
0: It's hot. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll be back. <laughs> And we're back, BC Rafe Bugs. It's the box pot. also pro wrestling legend Jim Ross still to come. Uh, Rafe, let's get through some of the other headlines. And uh, there was no headline bigger this week. Uh, let, me, let me bring up a guy who I know that you like a lot. Mike Tyson, baby. Mike Tyson. Hey, hey, let's nice go. Mike Tyson. Let's go, baby. Hey, nice. Let's go. Here's the thing. We all love Mike Tyson. And he blew up the Internet first, Rafe, which if, with a video you saw last week, uh just hitting pads and looking like a prime 1986 Savage. I mean, just he got back into shape. I think he's putting down the the weed and the psychedelics long enough to 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 get a little bit ripped again. Uh Shout out to those, by the way, if that's your thing, Rafe. Shout out I've to it. I
2: got nothing against yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, shout, damn, shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. Exactly.
0: OK, Doug. You know what I'm saying? Um Let's go, champ. Right. Uh, right. But,
2: this, you know, OK, I get here. Why you uh, we're, since we're getting, transitioning into this, take you behind the scenes a little bit in the life of boogs. And one of the weird things I do. Yes. I, I have a I have a Rottweiler named Bear. I walk him twice a day. And
0: uh, well, first of all, you bring in a right. W- Watt- into your house? OK, tell your
2: family to write their will out. You're in trouble. <laughs> All right, thank you. Uh and so, yeah, when um, you know, when he cops a squat, I like to encourage him by saying, "Let's go, Champ.
0: Let's go, ah. Champ." All right, yeah, that's
2: great. That's great
0: stuff. All right, here's the Tyson news and there's a few of them. Um BKFC the the good old dirtbag, bare-knuckle fighting championship promoter, David Feldman. Look, we've had a lot of the fighters on this podcast. Shout-out to Swanson Communications, my favorite, in the PR game for hooking us up. They are willing to offer this man, Mike Tyson, 53 years old. Now, just full full disclosure, Tyson's getting in shape because he wants to fight for charity, and I thought this meant, like, the... Evander Holyfield, Mitt Romney-style charity, like little sparring matches with head care, pitter-patter, pitter-patter style. I'm not sure if he meant more. But BKFC's like, hey, bro, $20 to fight in our organization against Shannon Briggs, who we just signed, or if you don't want to fight, we'll use you in any capacity, obviously they would, to sort of promote. I mean, even PFL, that that uh, MMA skinhead like fourth in the food chain signed Mike Tyson to show up at their cards and like tweet about it. We know what Mike Tyson brings to the table. Is there any friggin' chance in your eyes that he would take $20 million and if it's not Shannon Briggs, it could be some fat white guy from West Virginia, that he'd get back in there bare knuckles and, and give it to the people again?
2: Um, I don't think so because Mike Tyson could make $20 million in any boxing match that he wants as well, right? He talked to any promoter, promoted himself, keep the money himself, work straight with a network. I mean, he could do, he could make that money in any kind of fight. So why a bare knuckle dirt bag fight?
1: That's fair. That's fair. I'm talking to this man like I'm talking to this man. <laughs> I'm sorry, champ. He's probably watching, so yeah. you can talk to him like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, Tyson's probably, he's probably listening. Uh, Do you think
2: he's going to need to eat a few more of them pies before he comes back and faces
0: Shannon Briggs? He has rules. Like, I'd love to get Mike Tyson on here and talk about this. Luckily, he has rules, I think, that we fit into. I normally
1: don't do interview with women unless I
0: fornicate with them. Uh, We're not going to fornicate, Mike. I'm
1: going to make you my
0: girlfriend. No, 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 you won't. No, 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 you won't. Um, That's not going to happen. Good on BKFC to offer it. But do you, what, do you, what kind of spa, what kind of charity type deal do you think Mike wants to get into? Like uh him and Evander pretend to bite each other's ear and they make ten million each in Australia or something?
2: I have no clue what the kind of charity event. Uh, 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 sure, it, it, we we have seen Evander Holyfield looking like he's in great shape these days as well. Oh I don't, I guess some kind of sparring exhibition. Yeah, why not? It can't hurt. I would I would not I, would, I don't know if I would want to send a Mitt Romney type some sort of layman into the ring with Mike in a in an exhibition event just on the off chance like you Mike you don't my you don't want Mike to flip the switch. You know, you do not want him <laughs> to have like a flashback and and have like a, a layman in there because the it could get real ugly. Yeah, that could happen at any
0: point. Okay, that there's no doubt about that. No, I
2: mean, it could be like the last Boy Scout when when Bruce Willis punches that guy in the face and drives his brain th- drives his nose bone through his brain. You know.
0: By the way, people forget that that movie hit at like a key time for crossover action movies—the kind where you take big name stars. But still, you put it in, in into an Arnold Segal type movie, but you clean it up a little. You put some jokes in there. That was a big movie. I remember like being fired up to see that. Football scenes were great. Remember that opening scene where the running back pulled out a gun and uh, that's called a stiff <laughs> arm, Billy right? Cole man.
2: Yeah, that was that was yeah that that is maybe the craziest football uh, hypothetical in in the history of modern cinema. Um, yeah, plus it also came, I would say, at the peak of Damon Wayne's Mania. When to a lot of people, Damon Wayans was the coolest and funniest guy in the world because of what he was doing on In Living Color right before then. You know all the great characters: Homie the Clown, Anton the Bum, Antoine and Blaine Men on Film. I mean, they were. He he was the man.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll give two snaps up to that one. Um, Mike Tyson headlines continued this week, and this is a great one. Uh. Look, there, there's certain types of men in this world. That's how
3: men deal. That's how men roll he and a man.
0: And uh, Big John Fury, who can do this every once in a while, will just post a video randomly... Of him calling out some guy that you didn't know, and is like oh, I'm fifty-three, ah, oh, whatever. I'm on, you know. And he just posted one the other day, Rafe, where he named some guy. Then he named Billy Joe Saunders' address a few times and was like, "Meets <laughs> me, like, in me in the grass, Billy
2: Joe's yard. Meets
0: me in the grass, and I will kill you." But then he ended it with a rant that suddenly went viral. I got it for you right here.
2: I'm looking at fighting Mike Tyson. I was up. Mike's making a comeback. I don't value my life to fifty pounds. But let me tell you something. Mike Tyson is worth doing charity with. He's a proper king of a champion. He's a proper man, tried and tested. I'll fight Mike Tyson. He's making a comeback. I know Mike Tyson mentions my me boy's name every five minutes. Here I am. John Fury is hiding from no man. Not even the king of the old men, Mike Tyson. I will fight Mike Tyson. Hear that, then? Because I will not be denied. I will die in a fight. I was gay as an American Yankee cock. I will
0: die. With a, uh-huh. I will die before LDB. Rafe, uh, I got a lot to say about this. Sadly, our boy John's got some. I mean, he's got some mental problems. I think that's why we love him. But what the? I, I don't value my life worth sixpence. None the richer. I will die in a fight. Uh, who you got? Isn't something that's your about Monday, an American Rafe. Yankee cock in there? Yeah, to, a hatchcock, a proper hatchcock. Um, Rafe. Uh, <laughs> I think mean, we I mean, which direction are you going to go with this? There's going to be a lot of cock blocking
1: tactics coming on here.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Um, now, do you know the person that John was originally calling out before he brought in Mike Tyson's name?
2: I believe there was some bodybuilder in the UK who called John Fury out on video, and there's this. You know, it is somewhat um, custom in like the you know traveler communities in the UK and Ireland. To have these youtube call out videos i mean those that's that was how I was first introduced to sort of uh, gypsy fighting was through the guys at mcsorley's the you know the Irish bartenders and waiters I was working with which would pull up these videos on their phones of of you know big joe joyce and and these these kind of barrel chested old men being like. You ain't worth a bucket of shit. I'll murder you, you dirty bastard! <laughs> um, you know, and it was, we would just sit there laughing at him, and and so this is sort of in the style of one of those traditional call out videos. Someone called out Fury, this bodybuilder. I forget his name. He's not someone. Uh, he's sort of known in the UK, but I had never heard of him. And uh, you know, if you call out uh, a, a fight, a real fighting man like John Fury. He accepts that that is a rule. He does not walk away from a fight. Uh, he's fifty three years old, and he does not value his life worth six pence.
0: He did say in the uh, in the extended portions of that video that he is X rated, which we already know. Um I love it. And was it you who tweeted out? I will give you the credit if it was. I forgot who tweeted out that said this John Fury versus Mike Tyson fight has to happen because.
2: Tyson Fury is the t- the name of the fight. It's, it's like <laughs> it's perfect. And actually, you know, you, you thinking back on Mike's idea of doing an exhibition, a Big John, I would love it. I think the fans would love it who know Big John, the people who are in that cult. But really, if you want a, a fun exhibition that would that both that would that that would sell and get a lot of attention, and hopefully raise money for a great cause. Why not Mike Tyson and Tyson Fury? Uh, for
0: fun or for real? I mean,
2: for fun. Okay. For fun, okay. they'll get in there, mess around, have a spar. Neither of them will take liberties. Tyson Fury will show great respect to to the his yeah, namesake. I don't need
0: that. I, I already saw Mike Tyson with a beat that guy Corey T-Rex Sanders with a shirt on. Remember that pay per view exhibition sparring match that time? On like, no, I don't. I don't need Mike
2: that. Tyson versus uh, is it Bart Gunn?
0: Uh oh yeah, that the bare knuckle guy. Uh, Bobby Gunn. That Butterbean destroyed. Bobby Gunn. Yeah. No. Oh, you want Bark on the wrestler? That. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> All right. Like, here's the deal. I don't want Mike Tyson to come back for his own personal stuff. But if he if he did, I want it to be a real fight. I'd even take some some skinhead uh, uh, BKFC type crap. I, whatever you got for me. You know what I'm saying? I don't need, though, some kind of like, oh, now I'm going to gnaw on Evander's ear or, you know, like, like I, I don't need that.
2: I don't Would need You'd to- like it if he came back to your world of professional wrestling. Yeah.
0: I, I think I'm kind of pulling out of that world all right we got Jim Ross today you're, jacking. Gonna, you're, jacking. I might yeah. jack. you're
2: gonna are you gonna tell big jr that you're jacking from his world no
0: no 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 this is this is good business okay I love me some Jim Ross um hey the other Tyson headline uh is somewhat connected to the thing that's taking over all of us right now the uh last dance Jordan 98 bulls uh 30 for 30 documentary ESPN Jason.
2: Hey here he hired hair I, I, I didn't I, I know the man and I didn't know how to pronounce his last name uh, I but having heard it now a million times on podcasts it's it's like hair hair okay ha, hair. I think if you basically just say hair you're fine
0: hair okay um this first of all I love me like like you gotta understand here like this actually is something I know there's no sports going on but there's like recap shows for this podcast for this this documentary. You know, ESPN Sports is leading off right after it on Sunday nights with, like, a actual breakdown, and I think it's actually deserving. I mean, look, it's right in my wheelhouse. It's bringing me all the memories back in the fields. But, Riff, can we pause and just shout out that, like, Michael Jordan is, like, a 10 out of a 10 or 1,000 out of a 10 in a performance in this documentary? Like, the dude rips everyone, and he's drinking and smoking, and he's just, like... Yeah, I don't think in any other situation, maybe besides the fight game, because people are kind of reckless in there, you'd get someone this honest. I mean, it's already a slam dunk if you put out a documentary on Jordan, right? Then you add new interviews and archives, but then you get Jordan just willing to just spray that thing all over people. I mean, it's cliche to be like, that's great content, but it's freaking amazing, Rafe.
2: Well, of course it's great content, and it's something that Jordan, who has really guarded and protected his mystique for 20 years now and and not done this sort of thing, even though he was sitting on the footage for, since 1998, that, uh, to finally do it and to do it in a way that is so satisfying to to fans and to people who are curious and people who are just learning about why he is the greatest of all time right now – that it really is good. He does – look, he takes liberties. He is in control of this documentary. He did – like for example, he told Jack McCallum when – the Sports Illustrated writer, when Jack McCallum was writing the book on the Dream Team that – Which I have. Yes. Great book. Right, right. Which, which that, that, yes, Mike, Michael told him, yeah, he did stop Isaiah from being on the dream team. And then in Michael's own documentary, he's like, well, no, I didn't say anything. And Rod, Rod, Rod Thorne didn't say anything. And I guess it just happened. So it's, you know, he's sort of washing his hands of some dirt, but that's also, it's funny because I think that's not even that you could interpret as Michael sticking it to one of his rivals one more time and being like, we, you, you know, It did exist. I know. We both know it did exist. I I dicked you, my man. And I'm still going to go on. I am going to go on the biggest documentary ever, sports documentaries at this point, at the time when the entire world is watching it. And I'm going to basically lie through my teeth and make you watch it. Bitch. That's Mike. I'm a savage. Yeah, damn right.
0: Uh, How do you like me now? How do you like me now? How do you like me now? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Just look at me now. You're right. That is actually the best way to kind of stick it to him even, even worse. Um, so why does this have to do with Mike Tyson? I did not know this story, by the way. Shout out to our brethren, Manouk Aokpian. Aokpian. Aokpian of Boxing Rec of many outlets. By the way, many, many outlets, LA Times. But one of um, the number one hustlers out there. I mean, yeah, you
2: really got to give it up to that man.
0: He is right now. A really nice guy, too. And I did want to shout out that website real quick.
1: Very important article. Today, on one of the Internet's best websites, BoxingScene.com, right? In which?
0: In which? Uh, manuke Research talked to some people, put together an aggregation of previous chats. I did not know this, that Mike Tyson nearly beat up Michael Jordan during a 1988 dinner for Chicago Bears Hall of Famer Richard Dent. It was Dent's? 28th birthday in Chicago so they had all the luminaries there Tyson gets invited his co-manager Rory Holloway is the one Tyson's ex-co-manager who
2: ended up reciting the story do you know this story Rafe did you read the story I, I I mean I've heard it discussed but I actually haven't read the story yet myself and I don't know it off the top of all my right, head All right, well the
0: root of the story is something I didn't know that Jordan used to date Robin Givens before Tyson married her so they're according to people at this party they're sitting there at, at Richard Dent's dinner, and apparently some of these comes out of the comes out of a book called "Taming the Beast: The Untold Story of Team Tyson" that one of Tyson's uh, ex managers put out. Uh, Mike Tyson's drunk on Long Island iced tea, and they say that's when Mike's feelings come that's out. That's what's right there. And he stares across the table at MJ, and he says, "Hey man, you think I'm stupid? I know you effed with my B," and apparently from the. The, the book, Jordan looked like he'd seen a ghost. Mike says, I know you messed with her. You can tell me. So apparently, Dicka, Coach Dicka, Mike Dicka jumps in and, and tries to kind of like calm it down. And Jordan wants to. Guys, no-
2: guys, come on. That's not how we, that, we don't, that, we don't do, we like to drink our beers here in yeah, Chicago. But come on, Bears. guys. We don't want any trouble here. Let's. It's Richard's night. The Bears. So apparently Jordan gets up because,
0: I mean, you know, he don't want nothing to do with this. Tyson turns to Dicka and goes, man, you think somebody's scared of you? All that racist shit you've been talking? Then he turns to Richard Dent, whose party it is, and said, y'all scared of this damn white man, Richard? He ain't nobody. You're going to let him talk that way? So apparently it's this giant circus. Don King's jumping in to try and the to separate The end
2: of the it. dynasty. D- Tyson took down the Bears. I mean, not that they were a dynasty at that point, but still. So uh Mike's telling everyone he's going to beat up Jordan. Don
0: King's trying to settle it down. They're holding Mike down and back. Jordan basically leaves. Dicka is does an interview years later with the Chicago Sun-Times and kind of basically confirms that all of this happened and says, look, it's all stupid. When you drink, you run your mouth. It, but he says, quote, that's probably what happened. Dent was interviewed in 2015 in the Chicago Tribune, and he... Kind of disputed some of it, but but confirmed most of it. Uh, Jordan declined to comment on the encounter with Tyson through a representative in 2015 when the Ch- Chicago Tribune wrote about it. But um, it, it's an interesting tidbit. But I started to look up Robin Givens because I'm like, wait, OK, we knew Robin Givens as a kid from the, what, what was that show called? The head of the class, head of the class. Remember that I
2: mean, sitcom? That's even before my time, but yeah.
0: I okay, knew that's she was how a celebrity. I knew all I knew of her, right? And she and she was she was, she was a a fine woman, okay, and um, a good actress, all that. She makes her fame on how she essentially screwed Mike Mike Tyson in both ways, right? Marries him. Has a mother-in-law who's who's behind fueling the idea of let's get Mike's money. You remember the classic 2020 interview, like that was a remember where you were moment. September 1988, Mike's all drugged up on antidepressants, sitting next to Robin, as Barbara Walters and Robin just like disarm him and demand him, and just like I remember being at my grandparents' house in Pennsylvania. Near near the uh, Coney Island place, by the way, great. Um, great great place to eat hot dogs just and crap your pants. Chili,
2: chili, digesting in your stomach while watching this.
0: I remember that was like a cultural moment. We we were like, oh my god, they're going to get divorced. Like she's just destroying him. So Rafe, the whole point of this is, I went back to look at her hit list. When we think of of all time slayers, right? We think of people like A.D. Scott Bayo. Remember? from from go to the head of the, from uh Charles in charge i mean he got like Pamela Anderson. he got like before
2: everything. his like creepy uh playboy mansion phase yes
0: he got it before he everybody. turned into like a David Spade type we think of discussions you and i have had on here um Oscar had a hit list going uh of of different kinds of people um Ben Affleck your boy you were nailing you were na- naming <laughs> some of the... <gasps> i just i had to nail him, too man <laughs> Here's Robin Givens run per Wikipedia. You ready for this?
2: All right, lay lay it on me.
0: Eddie Murphy in eighty
2: five. Michael Jordan Eddie.
0: Michael Jordan in eighty six. Mike Tyson into marriage, which she got upwards reportedly of fifty million from. Then she keeps going. Brad Pitt. Howard Stern? Tennis player Murphy Jensen. I mean, this, this, that—that's just some of them. Rafe, is this? Um, what's the deal here? How do you sum this up? I mean, is she just a, a gold digger, or, or is this somebody who just uh was very successful?
2: I mean, she had some of her own money, right? I don't, I don't, I don't. I, I would not say gold digger, but I would say she—that—that's uh, incredible. I mean, like that, especially the the first three is like a Mount Rushmore of of like celebrity in the 80s of black celebrity you know in in the in like the this the second in the entire 20th century almost um it is hey good you know i i'm sure there were some some heartbreaks uh, along the way but whatever that's that's quite a life to have lived
0: um do you have any thoughts on 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 that that fine woman
2: I can't I man. I, I, you're talking about September 1988, right? Yeah. Uh, Flashbulb moment. I'm six years old, man. I'm not watching that. All right, that, well, that old, it, that
0: dirty old bald guy, Eric. not bald. Dirty old balls, Eric Raskin probably's got some good thoughts on that. All right. He's a little yeah, older but we, than we,
2: we are. you know, I, I think we can go ahead and guess that, uh, that the Maccabee games, you know, was was into a a more, I don't know, a, a, a different look.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, other news here, Rafe. Um, Canelo. I mean, Raskin
2: doesn't give Floyd a fair shake, so you know where his head is at. Yeah,
0: wow. Olokin, you are next, my friend. Uh, Canelo, you might not be next, my friend. What the hell's Triple G doing? So we thought we're getting Triple G Canelo 3. Oscar on this show last week is like, yeah, this fall, it's happening. Remember that weird story came out? I think it was your colleague Lance Pugmire a couple of months back saying it's happening. But Triple G's like, no, bro. I signed for a mandatory against some man named... Zara right Zere- Yeah,
2: Camille Smegamegma.
0: Uh, so Golovkin talked to Sports Illustrated, I believe Chris Mannix. And he- I think it was uh,
2: Greg Bishop. Oh, I'm sorry, Greg Bishop.
0: And um, he's like, nope, I'm not fighting Canelo this fall unless I get a chance to fight Smegamegma first. And here's the quote. Uh, I don't have that quote. Oh, sorry. I should point out that there was always two sides. Canelo actually avoided this fight in September. They didn't want to fight in May of 2020 either. So I went my way. I have my own career. And I figured, how long should I wait? I intend to keep my word. Once the situation changes, and as soon as everything is back to normal, I intend to have this fight first. Um, Like, I get it. It's a power move. But bro, you're going to be 40 soon. You're the B-side. You'll always be the B-side against Canelio. You get a chance at revenge. You take that ish.
2: I think that's a fair point. Um, there's a few different ways to interpret this here i think the 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 interpretation that makes the most sense to me is like you said this is a power play this is um maybe a mind game a little bit although i don't think that really is a factor or at least a meaningful factor in how in how a fight may play out someday but it is just now at this point in these these guys careers they are also – I hope they fight again, but they're just engaged in a petty war, right? Uh, Golovkin signed with DAZN and, and got a great deal be- because of the anticipation for a third Canelo fight. Canelo was pissed off that Golovkin had, ca- had, had spoken ill of the drug test that Canelo failed, so I don't know what he expects his opponent to say about that, but – he was he felt uh, wronged by those comments i mean look if the man saw injection marks he saw injection marks uh but anyway canelo was pissed and he said well look i don't care i'm not giving you this fight i'm not interested in you anymore peace i am i got more power in this and i always will have always have and so he jerked triple g around a little bit triple g didn't have a particularly impressive year last year and his stock has dropped a little bit because of it. And he – he, this is his chance to kind of turn the tables and be like, ah, you thought – now you need me. Well, maybe I don't want you now. Is it petty? Is it stupid? Is it good for the sport? Yeah, uh, Well, that, that, that's like a no-no, uh, yes-yes and a no. Uh, but I think there's an element of that there. He may it, – it, it could be uh, strategic as well or competitive in that Golovkin recognizes that he didn't have – Great performances in 2019, and he isn't totally hasn't gotten totally comfortable, perhaps, or it seems, with uh, Jonathan Banks as his trainer. And he want and and especially after a forced layoff at his age because of the coronavirus, he may not want right away to to jump in with Canelo because he doesn't trust that he'll be he will be in his best possible shape for it. Um. Those I think are some of the factors. I think they are reasonable. I wish it were not the case, but it's his career. I ain't gonna. I, I and also like, I I think it is. Uh, I, I I smell some hypocrisy from uh, the general media core around boxing now getting outraged that. Triple G would back away from this or would slow or or would pump the brakes or not go, jump right into this fight immediately because they weren't calling out Canelo that hard last year when Canelo was clearly just being like, nah, I don't give a F. I'm not fighting him. I'll I'll let you know when I feel like it. Um, you know, Canelo I, I Golovkin has a point. Canelo put this off for a year when Canelo wanted when, when, when Golovkin wanted it right away. So Is it a mistake? Probably. Yeah. I think it jeopardizes the fight ever happening. Uh, I I don't think it is necessarily the smart thing to do, but I understand where he's coming from. And I don't think that he is messing anything up or or, or that he is or that he's somehow wrong for doing it. It's it's whatever. Uh, It's up to him and. You know, I, I, I don't have any stake in DAZN. I don't work for DAZN, and I don't have to sit here and advocate for a fight that they want because it might help their business.
1: You know, I thought Triple G was getting in that ass. Uh,
0: Can we just give the big gift to people and get this fight done later this year? It seems like DAZN badly, badly needs it to happen. Um, I think also, already- also,
2: also, all the reporting that it was going to happen – did, end, did was Canelo ever attached to it? No, it was never attached to Canelo. Canelo there's nothing that with and and who speaks for Canelo? Nobody at this point, right? Oscar, I I do hope like he said that their relationship, their working relationship is on good terms right now. Uh we know there uh, you know with 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 my other colleague Mike Coppages reporting last year that it was really bad at, right around the point of the uh, the the Kovalev fight. Um, but is, you know, so if it's better now, great. But I don't, that doesn't, I mean, whenever Canelo talks and is asked, oh, Oscar said you're ready to fight. What does he say? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't listen. Oscar just talks. I, I, you know, so, so. Yeah, great. Oscar said it. Yeah, great. Some people who work for DAZN anonymously told Lancet. So what? They're all just trying to pump their own interests and hope that some, like, like make something happen because they want it to happen. Canelo is going to be the one who tells us when this fight happens. Nobody else.
1: He pumps it more than once.
0: Uh, Rafe, in other news, I think you're right on all that. Uh, and by the way, I think DAZN spent enough money already that, that there's no, like, just... Hey, hey, everyone involved, just fight. Freaking fight already, all right? What the heck? Um, other news, Rafe, did you see that weird rumor that got floated about Floyd versus Broner being in the plans for later this year? Now, I want to preface this. By saying, I've been saying this back from like 2013, that one day Floyd and Broner were going to fight. People were like, no, 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 never. And I always thought they could set it up as like the teacher versus the student because they could pro wrestling build it, how they turned on each other a few times over the years. The root of this is that there's a Mayweather Promotions welterweight who trains at the Mayweather gym who put out. Like five straight Instagrams over a two-week period saying, I'm fighting Errol Spence in his comeback fight. I'm fighting Errol Spence. And then put out an Instagram with a picture of the Raiders' new Vegas stadium and said, I'll be fighting uh, Spence on the undercard of Floyd Broner in September. Then the guy mysteriously takes that down and puts out there, oh, no, no, I was just saying um, I'd love to fight Spence. And I was just saying, what if? Who do you think would win Floyd Broner? Even though he left up all the other Instagram ones saying that he's fighting Spence. First of all, I never heard of this guy. Second of all, do you think there's any smoke to that fire?
2: Who Who is the Walter Waite? I forgot Walter Waite. I yeah, forgot true the, Walter Waite's
0: really name. I, Maurice uh, Lee, maybe something like that.
2: I got so many different disrespectful things to say about this Brian. Um no, I don't this is this this smells like BS to me. Um I'm here for it. All, I'm here for it, dude. I, I'm, great. I look, I'm here for anything. Um uh a fight happening in why why that arena? Why do they need it? There ain't going to be no crowd in it.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't. So what I don't know is if this was stuff that was talked about before the coronavirus or if it's now in response to it. How do we make a quick buck? Uh, we know A.B. is going to go out there and not really try that hard. Floyd could probably circle around him and win. Everybody wins on PBC. I have no idea if it's something like that. But uh,
2: who puts up the money for that? Who? Because, you know, you're not going to. I mean, as 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 great a seller and promoter as Floyd is, do you think that is something that 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 that. Floyd would expect to get his, you know, I mean, he wants to make at least 100 million now for stepping in a ring unless it's to, you know, send tension to hell. Um, Well, I wonder if it would be for him a tune up
0: fight for whatever his real plan is like it could be a rematch with Manny. So maybe this is okay. Let me go in there with Broner. A guy Manny beat. I'm not saying they're going to have a PBC handshake agreement beforehand about let's not hurt each other. I'm just saying, you know, maybe for him it's it's easy money. He gets back in shape.
2: I don't know. Uh, look, man, all money to Floyd Mayweather is easy money. I mean, you've seen this how many times?
0: Yeah, yeah. I've also seen this.
1: In my opinion, the sun is setting on Adrian Brother.
0: I think that's the last cash in opportunity. Legit. The last cash in opportunity. He could he still draws a social media audience in a in a crossover sort of urban audience. Um he could be the perfect villain in this. Floyd could could baby face himself up, okay? And be like, Come on, Adrian, I told you no, no, and then they, you know, they could pro wrestling the crap out of this. Anyway, who cares in the end? I care. Okay, that that's that's the point of this. Um we know that Dana White and Bob Arum hate each other. We know that Bob hates the skinhead sports like you do, Rafe.
3: It's a great, great sport. I love that mixed martial arts. I don't. I think it's trash. Uh,
0: Bob was on this show a couple weeks back and said Dana's shameless for putting on fights. Uh, He also did an interview with Boxing Scene in which he said, good luck to them. I just hope that they're not endangering the safety of anyone with this type of cowboy behavior. That does nobody any good. So Bob, since these comments, has said it looks like June is, He's trying to come back in Vegas, going to put on fights like Jose Ramirez, going to put on Shakur Stevenson fights, Teofimo, going to start coming out with a bang. But Uncle Dana got word, and on the UFC's Unfiltered podcast, he said, listen, I think by now everybody realizes that Bob Arum is a dickhead. This guy has been talking S about me for 20 years. Here's the interesting part, Rafe. Quote, he's effing bankrupt, this guy. He's bankrupt. Of course you don't want to put fights on. you can't afford to put fights on you effing jack off. you've been in this thing your whole life and have completely destroyed the business and the sport. Congratulations, Bob Arum. you're brilliant end quote is this just ish that we should not be focusing on or is there anything going on there? You're bankrupt what
2: I don't look I believe that as much as when when. Bob Arum and 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 uh, and Freddie Roach say that Manny is bankrupt. They don't they don't know what's in his pockets. They know what they might have paid him. They might have, but they don't know what else he's got. Um, in any case, uh, I have no clue if he. It doesn't make sense. That doesn't track to me. I don't see any reason to believe why Bob Arum or Top Rank would be in huge financial straits. Uh, the ESPN deal is one of the longest and probably most you know, robust and reliable in all of combat sports. Uh, it's long term and. They see, you know. I, I just don't see it. Uh, it there's there's always some some funny money. But the other thing is, once once you're rich like that, once the world treats you like you're rich, I mean, look, I, I don't I don't want to use the president example, but you could basically be broke and people will still give you credit and give you millions of dollars to to go spend somewhere because people think you're you got money or you can show money or it's too much trouble to get you know to to prove otherwise. Um. So he's effectively rich. And effectively can do what, you know, huge business people can do. So who cares? I don't care how much money, how liquid his cash is right now. He, it, it, that none of that matters. One thing I do think is interesting here though, is if you look at what is there a great material difference? Do you think Brian between UFC coming back? This weekend in Florida, which uh, I do believe is, you know, arguably a little bit callous, uh, you know, it, it, risky. It is is accepting a lot of risk, um, and and people are going to have to get used to that on some level. But they're they're going hard. They're they're running right into it. Um, but is there a, a huge material difference between that and say, if in one month exactly? top rank has a show in las vegas i don't think so i mean the country is still going to be effed in terms of having enough testing for everyone we're not we're still not going to be able to track where the uh, epidemic is spreading or where little bursts or outbreaks are happening it's still all of the same problems that we have today are going to be here probably in more or less the same shape in one month and so it is just a different a nice case study in how dana white has gotten a lot of negative press but also just a lot of press and maybe that's the goal by being so gung ho right by base by by being billy on the bridge yelling at the predator come on um do it do it
1: come on kill me that's i'm so here. good come on do it now
2: oh. kill me. you know meanwhile meanwhile bob is over here saying you know playing it down saying things in a much more calm way um paying lip service to being uh cautious and putting safeguards in place he's basically there saying no 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 get to the chapa, right yeah yeah um, they're, they're all the waiting. other arnold
0: dude they're and... all waiting on on to see if dana white can pull it off this weekend and i'll actually right. give ufc credit they're joining up with the Florida State Commission, and did you see the videos of the even media members who are covering this fight have to get that long ass swab yeah. down their nose and scrape that's their brain? That's a
2: test, Brian. They should be getting those. I know. It's I, almost I, don't want I would that. I would I would almost sign up to. Te- you know what's effed up about the world right now? Here's something that's weird. A strange incentive. As a member of the media, I might go out of my way to cover one of these events if I knew if I knew I was going to be able to get a test. Okay. okay. Um. So this is, in any case, I don't think there's a huge difference, and and the risks that, that Top Rank is going to be looking at running fights in in Vegas in a month really is the same, and probably deserves the same amount of. Uh, if you are the kind of person who thought that Dana White was was being ridiculous and risking lives, and and possibly helping to spread an epidemic, uh, then you should on the face of it, say the same exact things about whatever top rank is planning in a month. Cause that shit ain't going to change between now and then.
0: I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Uh, final bit of news this week. Uh, sad one, Jimmy Glenn of Jimmy's corner in New York city passes away after a battle with COVID. He was eighty nine. He was much uh he was well known in the boxing game before the bar as a trainer, as a cup man, and all you have to do is walk one second into Jimmy's Corner and see the memorabilia on the wall and see the connections he had with the sport. Um Rafe, it's it's cliche to go to New York City and go to this great dive bar, Jimmy's Corner, which is always hot as balls and it's like it's basically the size of a hallway. But I have had some legendary nights there. Uh there it's 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 I love that place. That's the place where people go to debate whether Margarito was coming on in the Kodo rematch before Stevie Smoke stopped it. Do you have any memories of, of of Jimmy of of the bar that you want to share? I mean, that's when I I went chest to chest with lamps there. Okay.
2: Um, you know, one thing that I, I I've noticed in the last day that was interesting to me is that because of its location there, right off Times Square on Forty Fifth Street, um, you know. Jimmy's Corner is a place that in addition to being this this important location in boxing lore because the you know because of who Jimmy was and uh the memorabilia in the bar and it being just sort of a, a de facto place where the boxing community would meet after fights and on big fight weekends it also m- meant a ton to people all through New York, I was people every people were reaching out to me who have nothing to do with boxing never don't don 't care about it at all, but because they heard the news as it was reported you know online and in the daily news and the local papers in the city, they were like, "Oh damn, I love that place and they they were like and they would send it to me and be like, "Oh shoot, uh because they know I do boxing stuff, and you know i 'm talking." People in respectable media, like, you know, the magazine worlds, the publishing worlds, the smart people out there, they love this bar too, because it was, it became as um, Times Square and Midtown turned into Disneyland, right? This was thought of and, and truly was and is still, hopefully it, it remains open, uh, kind of like the last cool, good, down to earth, not a true dive, but dive bar in in that area where people could go and and not you know have to deal with the BS of um you know of an Olive Garden or whatever the rest of the restaurants in that neighborhood.
0: And people are always like, should I go? Should I go? I'm going to the city. I think you should because it's like a museum to boxing. It's got that dive bar feeling where like they ain't nice to you there. You know what I mean? You gotta order quick and get out of the way. And if you're not drinking, they'll tell you to get out of your chair. Like I've seen that before. But also is that the last place you can get two beers and two shots for 24 uh, bucks?
2: I mean, there's always places that have a deal going. I mean, shoot, I don't know if the Continental uh, right off of St. Mark's is still doing this. It was disgusting and super watered down. Uh, I guess, I'm i sure they would dispute that. But they – for forever, I mean, even deep into the, the last f- 10, 5, 10 years, they were offering five shots of anything for $10
0: damn that's that's and a that's lot. right in
2: the East Village and it was it's always a sloppy yeah. uh crap show in there and the, I've the a the... lot of
0: oregano by accident in my life it sounds like right one of exactly those deals, you uh, you're
2: definitely getting a little bit of oregano mixed in with your shot but yeah. uh you know five of five five watered down shots of vodka will still get you pretty drunk
0: I used to live uh my first apartment rafe I was I dropped out of college I was 20. I took a full time job at a uh old people's home kitchen, washing dishes, and my apartment was downtown in my hometown on the town overlooking the town green like right in the center and there was a dive bar across the street. They had quarter nights on Thursdays, which was obviously the- you know you any college bar has these type of things, but I remember just going in being like yep i'll let me start with eight and you, and you just and they they'd for a quarter they'd serve it to you in like a plastic cup and you'd yeah. Those were some. Those were those
2: nights uh, ended very That's, gross. I, I'll tell you the the BC lore, the era of BC that I'm most curious about is when Prime BC was going down to the city to hang out at Manhattan College. Yes, hanging out with guys like my one of my old basketball coaches. Jasper's guard, Stevie McDowell, yes, uh, hanging out with the Quinn brothers, hanging out with, you know, really, really getting dirty up up there uh, at Draddy Gymnasium in the Bronx. I played on that court many times. I played in a uh, in a two
0: on two tournament at Draddy, in which I wore the 96 Lithuania basketball Grateful Dead tie dye shirt in that tournament. OK, with, with the Van Horn high Sox.
2: Were you starting fights in that too?
0: Uh, actually, I, I actually I was because here's the thing: there was this Indian guy who was guarding me, but he was guarding me like a, you ever play in a pickup game? And there's like a soccer player in there, and he's not good except for the fact that he 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 he, he James Kirklands you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like,
2: yeah, you could you could smell his musk.
0: Yeah, exactly. And uh, that guy was over me that I just started calling a foul every single play because as soon as I try to post him up and do my McHale moves. The dude would like put two hands into my chest and push me. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know what? My wife has advised me to quit organized basketball because it's it's still it's too real to me. Damn it.
2: I everything that you have shared with uh, me and our listeners about this hobby of yours. Brian suggests that your wife is absolutely right. You are a, a menace out there. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. You have no business just like Barker had no business.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Anthony Josh was what, like six seven, six eight? Yeah. And he's muscular and he's he's built like a looks like a freaking goddess, you know?
0: Hashtag what a beauty body. Thank you for that transition. All right. Uh Rafe, we're gonna throw to Jim Ross now, but I want to encourage the box listeners to hang on. We got a we got an interesting revelation about Richard Dwyer on the back end of the show, but for now, it's the great Jim Ross, good old JR. Talking his new book, Life as a Widow During the Quarantine. And also, why things are just different at AEW because good old Vinnie Mac, not in Jim Ross's ear anymore. A lot of great memories included drinking with Ric Flair. Coming at you right now. Enjoy. All right, let's bring him in. The man in the black hat, the voice of pro wrestling, then now and forever. It's Jim Ross, and uh, he's currently the voice of AEW. We know him and love him everywhere else. Jim, how the heck are you holding up during this damn uh, quarantine? Because I feel like every other day I'm about to uh, get in the car and just and just keep
3: going. Yeah, I, I can understand that. Well, I'm doing well. You know, it's just the, you kind of got to deal with the rules of engagement here. And I've been hunkered down in my house for seven weeks. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be going back to, uh, Jacksonville next week to uh, do some AEW stuff. And we're going to go live on Wednesday nights for every other week for a while. And so I'll be in Jacksonville for the pretty much the whole month of May, just to prevent from having to take so many airplane flights, get on a plane, off the plane, another airport. So I'm just going to stay down there and got me a nice little Airbnb on the beach
1: All right. in Jacksonville.
3: So I'm going to chill and uh, do a lot of wrestling. <laughs> so I'm doing fine, man. You just got to make best for your situation. And this is not the first challenging environment I've been in and our situations for sure. So I'm, I'm doing good, man. I, I appreciate you asking.
0: Yeah. I, well, the show must go on. Uh, please tell me if this uh, rumor is true in your history that you once called a pay-per-view show <laughs> while passing a kidney stone, Jim, please tell me that's not true.
3: Yeah, that's a true story. Unfortunately, it was a, uh, it was very, and the problem too was that the pay per view was horrible by, by and large. Uh, so it wasn't a great show to get lost in. So every time we had a, we were on the stage in Baltimore in the old arena there, and that's where the announced position was. So every time we had a video package, I would run with tears in my eyes down the steps of the stage oh. to, the, to the restroom and, and, and this overwhelming urge to urinate. Oh, I'm sorry if I get a little course here but so it happened <laughs> and then as soon as the thing was over i went to the hospital and and uh and they, they get it get the same address it was something i would wish on no one they Just, say it's but, worse than giving birth jim can you not,
0: i mean i know you can't confirm that
3: but. <laughs> hey if it is uh i i if it's in that same league I even have more respect for the women of the world who have born children. <laughs> it, was, it was rugged, man. I'm telling you, it was rugged. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: Well, hey, uh, you got the new book out now, Under the Black Hat, My Life in the WWE and Beyond. And I was fired up to pick it up, Jim, because a couple of years back when you put out the Slobberknocker book, I tore through that thing. That was more about your launch into the business coming up in the cowboy era, the UWF into WCW. But when I finished reading it, I was like, you got me on a cliff. I I, I want to know what happens next. I want more dirt. So shout out to you the marketer. You came back with a follow-up. Uh what's the what's the goal with this book? What what can what can the readers expect this time around?
3: It was uh, based on exactly what you just said. It was a continuation chronologically of my autobiography. So the first book ended with the Austin era has begun when the Stone Cold beat Shawn Michaels for the uh, WWE title. And then, uh, that's where we ended it. But there's so many things that we didn't cover from a chronological standpoint. The attitude era, the Monday night wars, the original XFL, uh, a couple of b- more bouts of Bell's palsy. Uh, losing my job a couple of times, uh, and 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 but the most significant thing, without question in it, was the fact that uh, I finished Laverne just a couple of three weeks after my wife got killed right here by my home in a vehicle accident. The guy ran over her, you know she was on her Vespa coming home from the gym. And this kid was allegedly on his phone, and he ran right over the top of her, and she never regained consciousness. So uh, I needed to cover that. I needed to cover and honor her because she was such a major role in my talent relations run. It was just uh, absolutely uh, amazing, and she helped me a lot, man. She made me understand, Mr. Chilton said, "What's a no-brainer. She made me understand that you cannot self-medicate by taking Ambien Xanax and chasing it with Crown Royal and live to be an old man.
0: That that's the. I'm glad you were able to to sort of give her her, her rightful tribute in this book, and uh, you know, Ric Flair does claim he's responsible for that relationship happening. Is that is that a true fact?
3: Well, here's the deal. <laughs> he's a great storyteller. Uh, I one, one day the story is that Rick and I are on a little bitty uh, airplane coming out of West Virginia, flying up to Atlanta. And, and we were we were the only two people in first class. There are only four seats, or some much like small plane. So we're the only two guys in first class, and my future wife was our flight attendant. So obviously, flares flirting. She's a beautiful <laughs> woman, great personality. And so at the end of the, and I was flirting too, uh, but at the end of the flight, she and I exchanged business cards. But here, at tell it. And, and the funny part about this is Jan and I were at a, a wrestling thing and Rick was there. It might've been a WrestleMania or something. And he was telling everybody that story. And so uh, I started to interrupt and correct him. And she gave me the elbow, like, <laughs> let him go. He loves telling this story. Let him enjoy it. And so that's her. So uh, that's what we did. And, and But did he re- introduce us? Not really. But he was there when I first met her, without a doubt. All
0: right. If Ric Flair on the road had, you know, Space Mountain, right? What was the longest line? Whatever the great catchphrase was. What did Jim <laughs> Ross have? What did I have? Who? What What did Jim Ross have for the ladies on uh, the road? Was Was it, uh, it wasn't quite Space Mountain, right?
3: Oh, no, no, no. No, there was never a line in my ride. So, uh, <laughs> I just hung around with Flair when I was single just to get the runoff. You know, the wingman type thing. So. Uh, anyway, no, no, I didn't have a space mountain in my, in my, uh, vocabulary at that point in time and still don't this day, by the way, Hey, there's only one space mountain. There's only one Ric Flair. And, uh, he's the guy that went to a bar at the holiday Inn one time. He and I were staying at, we had, uh, maybe eight people in the bar and he ordered for this reason. I don't have any idea. 137 (laughs) kamikazes. And then he had them on trade and he passed them out to everybody. He passed him out the hotel staff. And, of course, uh, he was hoping somebody was going to get inebriated and then let the cards fall where they may. Uh, but that's Nate. He's a little bit eccentric, but he's one of a kind and the best of all time.
0: Well, it's a perfect segue. I'm sure everybody asks when they ask you historical questions, they're always like, oh, which guy could really fight? And that's a great conversation, and I hope Haku is the real answer there. But along with Rick, who's in the post-match Bar Hall of Fame from your times up and down the road?
3: Oh, wow. That's a good, that's a good question. We have some real party guys, uh, heavy duty guys, uh, in Mid South, you know, uh, Dr. Death Steve Williams, Jim Duggan, uh, the Steiners. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, those cowboy Bill Watts had a rule in our territory that if you got into a fight with a quote unquote civilian, uh, and you lost, you're gone. You're fired. So the group of Hercules Hernandez and, and Doc and Duggan Steiners, and a few others never lost any bar fights. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to lose their job, but they were badasses. So uh, they were good party guys. Um, Lawler would not go on that list because he doesn't drink or smoke. He says his favorite saying is that lips that touch alcohol will never touch mine. Ooh. Uh, so, but the guy, they're settled down a lot now, man. They're settled. These guys are settled down, it seems like, a little bit. They're more civil. Uh, they're not as coarse. Uh, they'd rather play video games or talk to their CPA than uh, go chase the girls, uh, by and large. I'm sure there's some of them that still do. But, you know, I used to, I've had plenty of good cold beers, a so stone cold. Uh, he was always a good, you know, we, we drank one time a bottle of wine between Phoenix and Tucson, uh, driving about 100 miles an hour, which made no sense to either, for either of us. But that's what happens when you in, in, in indulging in the, in, the, in the alcohol. But Steve was always a good Good guy to have a beer with, still is, by the way, no doubt. So it's a it's an interesting question. Nobody was exempt, but some guys are just more than others. But there was flair, and then there was everybody else. I
0: can only imagine. Uh, I love in the book you get into. Uh, calling football with the XFL in 2001, and we all love that year. We love that that the whole story. And uh, ESPN did that doc a couple years back that was that was fun. But from your experience sliding during that time from WWE to XFL every couple days, was there a turning point, a crazy moment where you're like, maybe this won't work?
3: Well, I thought about week three. You know, we had a real good uh, debut. Uh, I got promoted to the NBC team, the A team with Jesse Ventura after the first week. And I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe we got a chance of so a good rating the first week. The rating dropped significantly the second week. Uh, and then my issue was with the game, the, the game on the field. Uh, the management wanted to be more WWE, more entertainment, more sizzle than steak. And I think football fans are looking for steak, and we did not deliver that. And the, my my issue would be, or my point would be, we didn't get any better. The game didn't get better. There was no time for chemistry. Uh, there was no time for, uh, uh, you know, to, to have exhibition games or anything like anything like that. So when the game didn't get better, I knew our ass was in trouble. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And uh, I do give them credit for
0: bringing it back this year. Tough break with the... Uh the quarantine, the economy and everything going to see that fold up. But Jim, we know you love football. Oh, you for life. And I remember hearing that you were, uh, did some Atlanta Falcons NFL work on a radio call back in the day. And I'm thinking I matched up the dates early nineties. I'm like, the Falcons in the early nineties were basically a pro wrestling team. You had Elvis Love and Jerry Glanville as the coach. You had Dion Sanders. They're letting Evander Holyfield roam the, the sidelines during the games. What the heck was it like being close to that cast of characters?
3: Kind of like going to a carnival uh, circus. Glanville had the Gl- Glanville wore a big old cowboy belt buckle. Like he was a world champion bull rider. He was a bull, He was a world champion BSer, All right. But uh, not a bull rider. Uh, <laughs> we also had Andre rising. Yes. Uh, and that was, that was an ongoing drama, you know, his house got burned down by his girlfriend or some crazy stuff. Uh, but it was inter- interesting. Uh, it was that run and shoot thing. It was no, there's, we had no running game. Uh, you know, I, I hang around one of my best buddies who's just recently passed away uh, of cancer. Bill Fraley was the number three pick in the draft that year, uh, rookie year there in Atlanta. Uh, out of Pittsburgh, great uh, offensive guard, and then uh, and then we opened the Georgia Dome in '92, the first season in Georgia Dome. So, like a lot of uh, executives, they're always looking to make changes, sometimes just for change's sake. But Bill Rosinski, Jeff Van Note, and I were the broadcast team, and they are forged lasting friendships. We rode in the team playing all the games. So I was doing pro, I do, I was doing pro wrestling and in, uh, in the NFL that in '92. And it was a it was a glorious year. I had a blast because of right. my my love for the football game. That's great. And you mentioned Bill Fralick. I'm like
0: WrestleMania Two, the Battle Royal. The, there's there's the other crossover right there between uh, wrestling and everything else. Um, Jim, you've had a few matches in your time. Did you like taking part <laughs> in storylines? I mean, they, they're not classics. We know that. We know that the, that the voice of Jim Ross was the money maker. But when you look back at that, is it? Were you forced into it? Did you like it? Did you get that 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 feeling? That that you're an entertainer out there on waiting for the hot tag on the ring rope.
3: I I was uh, a little uncomfortable with my casting uh, because I wasn't trained. I wasn't you know I didn't have training to how to fall and and not kill myself. Uh, I always felt like I was somewhat of a cow on ice, a little bit awkward, a little bit clumsy. So, uh, but I did it because it got what got me. that got me hooked. Was the minute by minute ratings. Every time OJR would get into a car crash or get beat up or assaulted or humiliated, the ratings went up. So you know as well as I do, when any program director, i.e. a booker or owner like Mr. McMahon, sees something that's working, uh, they're going to continue to do it. So I did it. I didn't like it, but it helped the team, and uh, it helped facilitate a lot of things. You know, having t- kissing Mr. McMahon's ass in Oklahoma City in front of my family was not a, a stellar moment in my career, but nonetheless, it is fiction. I was casting that role and all I ever tried to do was just pull off my job as best I could.
0: Uh, do you have, uh, one, wh- one move, one moment that hurt the worst?
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the next day was always the worst because I was sore. I wasn't <laughs> training hard or nothing like that. Uh, I gave the coach a stone cold stunner in, uh, Chicago and, uh, they, you throw your legs up and you land on your ass. And when you got a large, uh, arse, uh, it's not as, uh, pleasant as one to see on TV and think it is. It's not a no-brainer. So landing on my own butt with my own weight <laughs> was a little <laughs> bit daunting. And so you, you find out where the sore spots are in the, in the, uh, in the, in the next 24 to 48 hours, but, Indeed. you know nothing too bad. I, Eric Bischoff broke a cinder block on my head that was allegedly going to be, uh, uh, showbiz up. Somebody forgot to get it all show up. So he broke the center block in my head, and, and uh, that was not real pleasant. That was that was not fun. But, you know, hey, look, I did my job. The coach said, run this play. I'm going to run a play. It's real yeah. simple.
0: Well, the coach in, in this case, uh, Vince McMahon, is is going to do worse than that. I mean, you know, he's not making you do something that he wouldn't do, of course. But shout-out to the country whooping match, or whipping match, you and the coach, the other coach, John Coachman, had together. Uh,
3: speaking of coach... Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't, uh, take shortcuts with a leather strap. Uh, yes, the only fair. thing, the only advice I got was to wear some long underwear under my jeans and two shirts, a t-shirt, and I think I wore an OU jersey. Uh, but the bottom line of that is, is that you have to, you have to, you have to hit somebody. And so if there's any bare skin, the strap's going to find it. I'm mean, a poor coach. I, I apologize to him incessantly. A couple of times I hit him square in the face in a leather strap. Didn't mean to. I tried to hit his chest. He'd lower his head or I'm bad aim. But it's, it was a, it's not a fun match to participate in, which is why you don't see a lot of them. the guys don't like to do that process, uh, that presentation, because it, it hurts. Yeah. And it leaves marks. And uh, of course, the coach and I, uh, we were neither one prepared for that deal. And luckily for him, uh, he was willing to uh, let me win, as it were. But we beat the shit out. Of us. We beat the heck out of each other. I can tell you
1: that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love Coach. Got a chance to
0: work with him at ESPN, along with Todd Grisham, who's made some nice uh, crossovers himself into boxing and MMA. When you first met the Grish uh, Jr., did you did you think this kid would be long for the business? Oh yeah, he
3: he fit in well with the group. He fit. He, would, he had he had good locker room etiquette. Uh, he fit in well. He wasn't an egomaniac. Uh, and he's, he's trying to study the game. It was a new, he didn't have the great product knowledge that he has, he eventually would earn and gain. Uh, but you know, he, he was, he was going to be my successor on Monday Night Raw uh, in 2007, the year I went to Hall of Fame with Lawler and Dusty Rhodes and some other cats. Uh, but I got a big ovation for being announced as the last Hall of Fame participant and in Chicago again. And, uh, I got a, Reprieve, shall we say? Because Grish told me he said, "Well, you know, they told me I had your, I was going to be your, I'm going to be the guy, lead role, blah blah blah, take your spot." And said then when uh, uh, it, it didn't happen, they said, "Did you hear that? Pop Jr. guy in Chicago. We can't take him off the air now." But I knew it was a foregone conclusion. McMahon wanted to get younger. He wanted to be somebody that wasn't southern. He had issues with my look because of the Bell's palsy. The fact I couldn't smile. So uh, I knew it was just a matter of time, but I also knew, this is going to sound very egocentric, that by God, nobody could do my job better than me. And either I would I would wear them out and get back to my spot, or I'd find something else to do. And luckily now, I found something great to do I, with Tony Khan and M.E.W. I
0: was going to say, talk about a career b- built on being a survivor when you've had you know moments of not just physical to overcome, but you know, being phased out, but oh it's not time yet. The fans still want more JR and they certainly do today. So as we bring it up to today, I love, I love AEW. The look, the feel, the vibe, the the action, everything about it. It's it's uh it's a great time to have something different from the establishment that we all know for years of WWE. So what's for you the most fundamental difference calling matches for AEW compared either to WWE, WCW, or anywhere else you've worked in your career?
3: Pardon me, Mike. My, my water went down wrong. Uh, uh, I would say, uh, this is going to make good radio. Uh, I was gonna, I would say that it's the fact that we don't have anybody in our ear telling us what to say. I'm finally being able to, to play my own music. I know the general direction we're supposed to go in. I, I think I've got decent in, instincts after all these years but nobody's in my ear hammering away critiquing most words uh questioning what we're saying uh and that's made this a joy tony khan is on headset i think i've heard tony khan uh speak to me maybe this I'm, i'm i'm being i'm going to be very liberal this number maybe six times since october and more often than not it's because they've added something later in the show to billboard and don't forget still to come now just announced blah, blah, blah. But he's never told me what to say about a hole or how to pace myself. He lets me do my job. And sometimes in WWE, their, their announcers are so heavily produced that uh, they don't let you do your job. So right. I told them, I told somebody this the, other day, I said, the big difference for me is that I'm, I'm playing my own music. I'm not playing a cover song of somebody else's stuff. I'm playing my music. And for better or for worse, that's what you're going to get. And hopefully it'll be good enough to keep everybody uh, in the saddle and and listening and watching our show on Wednesday nights on TNT.
0: Well, I'll give you guys so much credit, Cody and the the boys, Tony Khan, the work you guys are doing on the announce team, because the connection with the fans, it's as if every fan is, is cheering for the success of the promotion at every turn. And I mean, that's. That's a, it, it. That's a special situation, it, a unique situation when you have the fans almost in on it with you, pushing you guys through to the next level. Um, what do you think is the difference in the in the product presentation? Is it is it similar to what you just said? Are the performers in the ring experiencing a level of freedom that maybe the crowd isn't used to? Maybe only on the indie level that that's been the difference so far. An AEW feeling special.
3: I think our match times are. are uh... Storytelling friendly, match times, how long the guys get to go out there and do their thing and make their presentation. Uh, we want to be uh, athletically oriented, and our calls, uh, by and large, uh, are athletic uh, slanted. Uh, so it's a little, it's a little bit throwback to the old school. You know, we do things that the WWE doesn't do, uh, like we have time limits. How can you have a, an event that you want people to believe is a sporting event? That has no measurables. They have no ratings. Ratings meaning who's the number one contender. Blah blah blah. Uh, they have no time limits. So what if a match just goes on and on and on? Well, that would be it. it could happen, but it doesn't because that to me, not having a time limit is a uh, a very blatant expose that we're on Broadway, not in a, not in a sporting event. And I don't I don't I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, but the the talents are allowed to be themselves more. We had a great show Wednesday night with a lot of really cool uh, non-ring production elements. But the talents themselves came up with the ideas and largely produced those segments. And you don't get that in WWE. You just don't. Not, they're, they're just not set up that way. That's not their system. Uh, so, but look, their system has worked very, very well for a long, long time. And uh, so I'm not knocking their system other, other than I don't know if it's talent-friendly. If, if the amount of talents from WWE that contact me about work someday, even though I'm not in that position any longer, uh, that tells me that they're not being fulfilled creatively, and they're not being challenged in that respect. And everybody wants to. Everybody wants to. The wrestlers get in the wrestling business to wrestle, not to be uh sophomore drama class actors who are forced to memorize their lines. You know, we don't have any writers. We have not one writer in our whole company. So the talents themselves are obligated to create content, and you know you're creating content right now with me, and I with you. We, we, us guys like us enjoy creating content, and the wrestlers are absolutely no different. They get that chance to create content with AEW that heretofore they did not get. Guys like Moxley, you know, uh, all those guys that came from WWE. Chris Jericho is the best of the best in that respect, for sure. Uh, we, you know. Lance Archer was over in uh, Japan, very stoic, very you know rigid, structured. He's now able to create, do things that he wasn't able to do. Uh, Brody Lee was Harper in WWE. He's now on our side uh, in great shape. He's going to contribute big time because he has a dog in the hunt. Anytime a wrestler has the opportunity to contribute to their storyline, they're more motivated to make it better because they don't want to look bad. yeah. So they invest emotionally, and that's how that works. So it's a lot of amalgamation of things that, that I think separate us from WWE that some people might not notice because, oh, that's just another pro wrestling show. We're not just another pro wrestling show. And, uh, you know, I'm going back to work next week. I'm excited about that. We'll be on live Wednesday night. I'm going to go to Jacksonville and stay for several weeks. And uh, tough deal, right? Staying <laughs> on the beach in Jacksonville for three or four weeks. I got a I got a tough life, man. But I'm gonna go down and, and we've got a pay per view on the twenty third of May and I'm gonna stay through that and then the T V the suspect the following week. And so uh I'm I'm back in the saddle. I, I hope I'm making the right decision. I'm sixty eight, I'm the high risk group. But I'll have my mask on, I'll have my gloves on, you know, and I'll be isolated pretty much. So uh and I'm gonna fly here's the good story. I'm flying to Atlanta on Delta. So that's how you get to Atlanta, it seems like. At up on Oklahoma City, it's an hour and a half flight. Then Tony Schiavone going to pick me up at the hotel on Tuesday morning, and he and I are going to go old school. We're going to old school it and drive to Jacksonville, yes. like the old days, and Crockett Promotions. It's going to be a blast. Make and we talent. might even film it. We have got all those pro code lips, the, those cameras that fit on the dash. We might, we might just get creative and have some fun on the road well, trip. There's so, content. There's it, the content you're talking about. Um that's great. You
0: wear your mask. Excalibur will make sure he wears his because that thing's always on. <laughs> Have you seen behind the mask, Jr. Is is he a handsome man? What's going on under there?
3: He's brutally handsome. That's why he wears the mask because he doesn't <laughs> want to be distraction, or so he says. <laughs> All
0: right. Well, before we close, I, I want to follow up on this because I mentioned AEW feels so fresh. Yet everything you just described is 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 essentially the old school. Taking the old school, mixing it with with what. Hasn't been created yet today, and this is the product we're getting. So that's telling me that the business is cyclical. What's old is new again. So could we ever get back to a point in this business? And I am I just watched The Dark Side of the Ring, the, the Dr. D. David Schultz episode, which was great, and it reminded me where kayfabe's real again, where it's protected, where so, it feels like the business is so overexposed since the reality area in the 90s and, and you know, documentaries on it and there's uh, hotel sit-down, shoot interviews. Could we ever get back to a point where it's protected again and presented as nothing but real?
3: I think all of us in the business could do a better job of that, but essentially, I believe that the genie sell the bottle on, the, on that aspect of it, but there can still be, and an aura of mystery or, or speculation, things of that nature. And that lot of, that largely comes through how the talents are booked. And, and then more importantly, perhaps, how they execute. In other words, I'll give you a very easy example real quick. It used to be that when somebody hit a DDT, like Jake the Snake, it was over. Now it's a transitional spot. Why is that? Because talents are lazy, they're unimaginative, and they, their, their basic grappling or wrestling skills aren't as refined as they would like them to be, so they go the sensationalistic route. They, they dive on people. Uh, they d- jump out of the ring. Hey, we do the same thing. I'm not a big fan of it, where you always dive over the top rope, and there happens to be, my God, lo and behold, there's people there to catch me. It's just it's illogical. So I think the talents themselves a disservice because they think they have to do more. What they have to do better is storytelling. Not just a the an indiscriminate moves, storytelling. So the talents are the, are the, are the culprit for part of this situation without a question. So, uh, but yeah, I don't think, I think that we're probably out of that, that genie's out of the bottle, man. I, I just, I don't see it going back that far, but we can all do a better job of, hey, look, I was amazed that, uh, the, uh, tournament, the TNT tournament that was ongoing and the finals between Cody and the Archer will be on may twenty third should be amazing. I'm looking forward to calling that uh but that all that stuff was pre taped right and it didn't get out. That's amazing in today's social media world. It is same thing with some of the same thing with some of the WrestleMania stuff that was all pre taped so it can be done if it becomes a priority. I'm just questioning whether or not it's going to be a priority or not. I
0: like that answer though if 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 everyone in the business works harder to protect it then that that does go a long way. We'll see. We'll see what happens over the next few years. But, Jim, thanks so much for your time. The book is called Under the Black Hat, My Life in the WWE and Beyond. Where can my listeners find this right now? Probably not at their bookstore. I don't know if the bookstores are open, but where can
3: they find it right yeah. now? I've got a bad breath from the uh, virus, as many people did. Poor me, <laughs> that the bookstores are closed. But they'll be open back up, Barnes & Noble and all those places. But in the meantime, uh, I have a little website called JRS bbq.com at jrsbbq.com. We have all of our barbecue sauce, all of our condiments, mustard, ketchup, all the stuff that we make, and we have an offer for a personally autographed book. So I can on the order form. You just tell me what you want me to write on your book, how you want to be inscribed, and we and I pay for the shipping in the lower forty-eight. So it's a good offer. It's a good deal. It's a first edition book, hardcover. jrsbbq.com Matter of fact, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be signing books this weekend, uh, before I uh, depart. And, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about doing that. It's, it's a great way to keep connected to fans and, uh, and, and, and get a book. So Amazon, Walmart.com, Target.com, uh, online, we got the audio book, which is getting well received. I re- I did the audio read, by the way. Nice. Toughest thing I ever did, man. Toughest thing I ever did because I got to write about my wife's death.
1: Right. I got
3: to talk about it again. I know I was tired of. It reliving it it was so vivid to me i could i could smell her perfume it was amazing wow uh wow. so it was tough but anyway uh that's what i'd suggest uh, and you can get it without leaving home the ebook and get that in mm-hmm. a minute or two and you've got the audio books easy so a lot of ways to get it if you want to read it and i think uh, i've been told it's the best wrestling book ever written i i don't know that Bret hart had an amazing book mcfoley had an amazing book jericho's had books uh, but it's in that conversation, which I'm very proud that we achieved. Well,
0: I'll give you credit. It reads so quick, so easy. It's like watching Rick wrestle. It's just so, it's like watching Steamboat <laughs> and Flair. It's fantastic. But, Jim, I don't want to keep you any longer. We love the pod. We love the work on AEW Dynamite. Have fun making towns with Shivani. Lois rules. stay safe. Great talking to you, Jim.
3: You bet, buddy. Thank you. And, hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I appreciate you.
0: All right, thanks so much to Jim Ross. Rafe, you don't like the skinhead side of my life, the State of Combat podcast, which has you covered this week for UFC 249 in every possible way. But are you more accepted to the other side? You know, the side that gives us sound drops
1: like this? I'm going to get off by cranking your knob just a little beyond the breaking point
2: uh yeah i like i i do like professional wrestling i don't watch it anymore i can't get into it as a fan uh certainly was was a hardcore mark as a kid growing up in the 80s and early 90s um i was swept up in hulkamania watched no holds barred yes like you know was definitely in on that show me some zeus some my man tiny um but uh and i think i got more into it you know as an adult at Grantland, when I got to edit, uh, you know, wrestling me, wrestling, me, uh, wrestling internet pioneer David Shoemaker, the Mass Man, uh, who you ended up, you you're in his extended orbit of podcast buddies and all that stuff, and uh, you know, I, I worked with him for five years, and I love doing working with him because he has this re- that really weird but interesting postmodern view on the sport that sometimes I'm, re- I was reading, I was like, man, I don't even think I know what he's saying, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. It's provocative. Um, and, uh, in any case that, that brought me back in, uh, in, in that I, I developed a, a heartier respect for it, uh, and, uh, admiration for it, but I still don't consume the product. Well, I am not shouldn't. getting high on that supply. You
0: really shouldn't, unless you're going to like get into just AEW or just new Japan and be like a, like a hipster, you shouldn't get into generic WWE. It's not gotcha. for you. It's not for us. It's not for anybody. But uh, we love talking I, about the old days, though. So that's that oh
2: old was- day, yeah. I mean, the, the wrestling podcast, like that that three hour or whatever wrestling podcast where they just go through all the old stories. Yes. I, I I definitely binge that during a period There's because, many because they talk things. about the craziest stuff. They get so close to the old stories.
1: I told my team the other day. I say, I want to be on, on him so close. Oh, yeah. It's gonna feel like we're I want him to smell my breath, smell my tension. If I haven't showered in 3 days, I want him to smell the must. I want him Love to smell and, and understand that I'm here for a dog fight. Kirk uh, wants to show him I want to drag your ass through the mud. The and, mud. And see how you can still stay clean and I feel like it's going to be a great fight. Thank you so much for your time. <laughs>
0: Um. Uh, by the way, I hope that uh, our boy shout out to the ADK crew, the Godinius crew, Alex Conides, If he ever brings back deep drop drive on the deep drop on uh, deep
2: deep dive on the drop,
0: I hope that he can somehow interview Jim Lampley to get his true thoughts from that drop.
2: <laughs> uh, Brian, I wanted to ask with regards to uh, Jim Ross, does he where where or just you? Where do you rank? And the all-time pantheon of amazing in-the-moment calls, his mankind getting thrown off the cage in drop that is now part of you know popular culture at large, versus boxing's finest, Emmanuel Stewart.
1: Oh my God! Look at this! Oh my God! Oh, oh my God! I can't find the, the button.
0: Yeah, um, it's it's incredible. Jim Ross is is uh. Uh, back out. He's got a family. I mean, look, it's 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 he great. It's killed him. It's right up there. It's right. I mean, Emmanuel Stewart. It's right. It's no double regasm, but it's it's right up there. Man, I wish I was better at this this soundboard, Rafe. It's really bringing the show down because when you say Emmanuel Stewart, I should be right there with you, but I'm not. All right, I'm not still not there. Still not are there.
2: With, are you with
0: it did you exist. Have,
2: you can. It, it doesn't.
0: It doesn't even have to exist. at this It point. does exist at some point. Okay. It did exist. Thank you. Sometimes you got to let no, go. Are you here with me or not? Not, not here with me. Not here with you. Are you
2: with me? Look at me. Are you with me? No. 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 Brian, no, no. Th- there's news you forgot. If I can yeah, get your quickly, attention, though, quickly. Okay. No. No. This. Okay. It's. It's. It's a. It's, uh, it's. It's Emmanuel's night.
0: Tell me. Tell me. Go ahead.
2: All right, right, I can talk now. All right, here we're gonna do this. Quickly,
0: give it to me. Yes, all (laughs) Um, right. I love me some Bob Arum. Let me tell you something because I love me some Bob Arum. I really,
2: I love me some Saul Canelo Alvarez. Yes, Uh, yes. But um, what do you think about Andy Ruiz announcing that he is hooking up with Eddie Reynoso and the No Boxing, No Life Canelo boys? Uh,
0: That's very, very smart move because um, okay, first and foremost, Andy Ruiz needs a guy who's going to motivate him. I don't know if if the if Chapo and uh, Eddie are are extreme motivators.
2: Turned him into El Chapo.
0: But. <laughs> but um,
2: uh, El Chapo can motivate us. Yeah, no, yeah,
0: yeah. He'll get in that ass. Uh, but uh, they are so. You got to give these guys credit. We ripped them for the awful strategy Canelo had against Floyd. But I'm glad Canelo stuck with him because they teach a very technical, responsible uh, boxing style, defensive, and with Andy Ruiz's quick hands, if he could, you know, round out his game completely, and we know that he can get in there and get dirty. He's got a good chance. I mean, he could really become a complete fighter. Obviously, stamina and care in staying away from Downey's Pizza. Shout out to them would be uh, the, the paramount. Downey here. Pizza Company. All would right, paramount if we want here. Give them a but, proper um, shout out. But why can I did somebody like break into my house and remove those Emmanuel drops from Oh, here we go. Oh, my
1: God. Look at, this. Wow. Look at
0: this. Thank you for hijacking the show that whole time. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, Rafe, it's great it's a it could be a very good marriage. I, right.
2: I, I hope you know, I think the, the biggest issue is, is all is is going to be can Andy Ruiz motivate himself? Um, and if he can, he's got a very, very great team with him. And I think, you know, obviously Manny Robles did a great job as well, but Hey, you know, the the fighter could do what he wants with his career. Um, I, I, the thing I thought was interesting is that all there's like a style now of, uh, Reynoso fighter, not all of them. I wouldn't say that Oscar Valdez fits this mold, but guys who don't have great feet, but have really, really fast hands and throw great combinations and can box. I mean, if you look at it, it's uh, definitely Canelo, Ru- Andy Ruiz. Uh, I would say that Julio Cesar Martinez fits that mold a little bit too, because he's not a real mover. He sort of is this really fun, fast, crazy strike counterpuncher who he'll wait, he'll let his guy come to, come to him. And then when the distance is right, he explodes. Blah, 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 blah. Um and either Ryan Garcia, who is built like he should be able to move, it's not really his thing, right? It's it's those fast hands, it's those combinations, it's that accuracy.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. It, it, look, uh, I just hope Ruiz. Pours out the jug, okay. I just hope he figures out how good he can be. And, and he
2: owes and, it to himself, does, right? Does. I mean, I, I, not that everyone achieves that and and finds out how good they can be, but you you root for everyone to do that because and he may have
0: already hit the That may have already been the moment. I mean, he knocked out Anthony Joshua. That may that may be. He'll never get back to that, but at least be a legitimate contender like you know you want to see him fight wilder you want to see him fight Fury, you want to see him make the rounds so to speak like jim Baskell making the rounds great guy jim Baskell, by the way
2: great um, great web series yes all it last...
0: was all right let's close with this last friday uh my fellow my friends over at morning combat um showtime luke thomas all them we did a uh errol spence uh uh companion piece where they pay me to drink beer and make bad inappropriate jokes but after that ended I'm laying down in bed, I pick up my phone, and my timeline explodes, Rafe. Why? Because one man, a man we know very well on this show.
1: I asked the wire, the week of the fight.
0: Put out a new video that in the early section of this video, the first minute, shouted out two of his favorite gamblers.
1: Before I go further, let me give a shout out to two gamblers, Brian and Rafe. Yeah, I've heard of you guys.
0: Oh, so I was like, "Are you like, are you kidding me, Rafe?" I was fired the heck up. Like, what is going on right now? Um, so it existed. That's me. That's you. So for like ten minutes, Rafe, I was texting you. By the way, you know, you know, sold the ball bags out of my text. In fact, you haven't even commented to, to me on this happening yet, friend. Yet, I was till this I, day.
1: This day, okay. Um,
2: so I don't know. I don't. I'm. I'm kind of stunned. I'm in shock. I don't know what to make of it. And you know my history here, Brian. I am a little more. I'm I'm a little more hesitant to break that invisible wall between us and. Well,
0: let me let's let's talk campeon. about that wall.
2: Let's talk about that wall.
0: So for 10 minutes, I'm going sick. All right. I'm like, oh, my God, we made it. We got on his radar and I was torn between. He just opened his show and mentioned us. He, we're going to get him on this show. Oh, my God. With like, did you catch the gangster tone of like. I know who you guys are. I was like, "Uh oh, oh, my God. Like, like, you know, like, like, I was excited in so many ways. But then a gentleman slid in my DMs. You know, this guy,
1: Alex Godinez, what's going on, brother?
0: I love Alex Godinez, right? Listener of our lifetime. And he kind of let me know that this may have been a setup.
2: Not, I mean, setup, I that you're I don't know. It's not a very generous interpretation, but explain
0: that he may or may not, and I may have the DM to prove this, may or may not have slid into Richie's DMs and been like, you know, huge fan of yours, love you. There's two guys I know that this would make their quarantine life if you shouted them out in some way. In fact, he actually offered to Rich that Rich would send a video to him, not even do it publicly. So shout out to Dwyer, who opened his video with it. Like, hey, two gamblers struggling right now in the quarantine life. Shout out to you guys. I heard yeah. of you, bro. That's
2: the man. That's the man who understands fan service right there.
0: So first of all, to that, Richard Dwyer, thank you. Thank you for getting the score right. Thank you for shouting out two guys who love you. Right? Who, like, that's how, that's how men do it.
1: Don't fall in love. With fighters who no longer exist. I'll fall in love
0: with a a YouTube podcaster who does exist. But then I was sort of like, oh, he don't know us. This only happened because we love Godinez and Godinez loves us. Now, the great Alex Godinez, right? Right? Was like, hey, man, just enjoy it, bro. It happened. Right? He's right. It did exist. So I'm going to sit here and actually enjoy it. Thank you Alex Godinez. Um <laughs> what's your name get at you yesterday? Right, oh. Thank you Godinez Nuts. Um but it wasn't as au natural. I thought that we got to a point that Dwyer heard of us. Like we love this man so much that he's like, "All right, player." You know what I'm saying? You know? Uh, in fact, I thought maybe he was angry and that kind of that kind of got me a little bit excited. Just a little bit excited. You know that maybe maybe I, I, they're going to be a challenge, Rafe, maybe, right?
2: Bring your whores <laughs> to the war, Brian.
0: Um, But that's not the case, right?
1: You know, contact me. Let's work it out.
0: Right? I was ready for that, right? You're on the wrong side of the ring, Holmes. What do we do now with this? This was a gift back to us from Alex Godinez. Thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, but,
2: thank you. Thank but you it, for getting the score right once again.
0: Do we now take the olive branch out we examine the olive branch and we extend it to him right is that what we do now
2: when you said take take the branch out out of what brian what did you talking what I, I don't know I, look man i don't He's want standing that in front in- of the
3: net with about eight inches of his shaft in his hand and we extend it's it. all about
2: the
1: lube baby
0: we extend it to richard right and we say yeah we love you come on this show
2: Absolutely. Look, I don't think this changes anything in our real world relationship that does or does not exist with Richard Dwyer, which is that we love him. We think he's excellent. We appreciate his betting tips. We have learned how to hedge from him. He's given us hours of uh, enjoyment as well as content that we repurpose and love for our own content. And we want to talk to him, meet him. Pick his brain, make him an even more live part of this experience. I just, now, I
0: don't want that experience to
1: blow up in our face, though. Let's talk about a fight that blew up in my face.
2: You know, you gotta you you gotta be able to you gotta take that risk. Otherwise, you're never going to achieve that dream, Brian. You right? You gotta be willing to strike out and you know, say you know say he curves you. Say it's like Prime BC going up to a young lady in a bar in the early 2000s. And you're in some skinhead bar in uh, Waterbury, Connecticut, say. Um, And, you know, you're trying to, you're, you're, you're dropping your lines, you're being like, you know, you've been running through my mind all day. And she's like, get away from me, you disgusting Lithuanian. And that's Do you serious. give up? No. You you, you got to be persistent. You got to win her over. You That's got true. next time you're like, "Hey, That's hey, true. I really I this is serious. I'm serious. I'm not just some drunk guy in the club. I want to court you, my lady." All right, I'm gonna and look so him up. court court Dwyer. If he says no once, we'll ask we'll ask twice.
1: I'm going to look him up. If you don't know who he is, look him up. Thank you, Rich. Okay.
0: I'm happy. Thank you, Alex Codinez. We're going to make this. We're going to make this, okay? We're going to make this. We're happen. all going to make
1: it.
2: We're going to we're going to touch touch, okay,
0: thank you. Hey, shout out to Jim Ross for being on the show, Rafe Books. Thanks for just randomly giving me 90 minutes of your time. All right,
2: it's my life, man. I love it. Okay,
0: um, follow your work at theathletic.com. You're doing great stuff. All right, great ridiculousness. All right,
2: I can thrive in a time of ridiculousness.
0: Um, do you have any message for the people? Check out the state of combat for UFC 249 pre post coverage. Uh, anything else, Rafe?
2: uh, I'd say let's make it happen. Uh, Oscar Connor 2021.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm down with that, okay? Uh, beware of the corona. Stay stay good, okay? <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's
2: very, very confused with this. It's no? Danger, that, danger, no? Danger,
0: yeah. danger, no?
2: It's very dangerous, very uh, Watch nice. out, danger.
0: It's nice, it's nice. Uh, shout out to your Abuelo. Shout out to Big Mama. Two words
1: for the people. We out.